got something to follow. Baptism, uh, the song, the song, wow, that goes right along with what I'm preaching on today. I mean, it is. All we have is Christ. Hallelujah. Because it's nothing that I do, nothing that any one of us can do that can save us. It's all Christ. And hallelujah, it's all Christ. So uh, before I get started in my um, sermon, I would like to take a moment and pray for us and pray that uh, God would use words to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord God, I come to you now and I just pray that you would uh, be with us as we come to worship you through your word. Pray that you would um, uh, help my train of thought, help my clarity, help, help me get the point that you want across God. And just pray that you would be with everyone here, that their, their hearts might be open to hear your word. And just uh, move among this congregation today, Lord. And we ask you this in your name. Amen. So, what I'm looking at today is Joshua 1, verses 1 through 18. And let's go ahead and read the main passage before we get started here. Joshua 1, 1 through 18. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of, of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the words which Moses, thy servant of the Lord, uh, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest. And hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed 
all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Now there's a lot going on here in this first uh, chapter of Joshua. And for us to really understand what God is telling us here in Joshua 1, I think there's a few things that we need to look at first. Because Joshua didn't just come to the riverside of Jordan to say, okay, I'm here, we're going to go into it. No, Israel as a nation has been here before. This is a new chapter of the same story that they've already had. And um, to really understand where they're coming from, there's a few things we need to look at, at what happened before they got to this point. So the first thing I want to look at is the covenant that was given to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. And specifically, there's four promises that was given to Abraham in that covenant. The first promise in Genesis 12.2 was a promise of a great nation. And Genesis 12.2 says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. See, the nation of Israel is already established as a nation. That promise of a great nation has been made. It's been fulfilled. And the nation as a whole in, of Israel is out in the wilderness. That's the first promise. The second promise is a promise of land in uh, Genesis fifteen eighteen. Genesis fifteen eighteen states that that in the same day the Lord made the covenant with Abraham, saying, "Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of U- of Egypt unto the great river, the river of Euphrates." And then we see in fifteen fifteen Genesis fifteen fifteen promise of a long life. So just a few verses back, and thou shalt go to thy father in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. And then back in Genesis 12:2, we already saw a promise of blessings. Now, what I want to specifically point out here is that the promise of land. See, the promised land is what they were promised back there with the Abrahamic covenant. But that promise hasn't, the land was given to them. It was theirs for the taking, but they have not possessed the land. The Israelites do not possess the land promised to them yet. However, the land is already theirs. And in Genesis 15, verses 13 through 14, we see more 
this is still the Abrahamic covenant, and we see more of this pointed out there. It says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father in peace, or to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Got to remember how far I'm reading to. Yeah, that's it. So uh, anyway, we see here that the land was a promise, and they were to wander in the wilderness. That land wasn't theirs yet. They were to go into affliction with Egypt. That's their life in Egypt, and they were to be delivered from that. That brings them to wandering in the wilderness. And now... Next thing that we need to look at, before we go any further in this story, we need to look at the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that God made between him and Moses. And the main thing that I want to point out here is in Exodus 20, verse 5. Exodus 25, 20, verse 5 says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Here, what I want to point out is that that our sin doesn't just affect us. The sin of the nation of Israel didn't just affect the the nation that the people that were in Egypt, those Israelites, it affected their sons. And we can actually see more of this in Numbers 14, verses 20 to 33. I'm not going to read the whole thing there, but we see this played out in Numbers 14. Because God told that only Joshua and Caleb would enter into the nation of Israel, of the people that left Egypt. They were the only two people that originally started in Egypt that were going to be allowed to enter in. And consequently, because of the father's sins, the people that left Egypt, consequently, their sons were going to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The father's sins affected the children. Numbers chapter 13 through 14, we see the story of Joshua and how they are ready to go in and possess the promised land. But the Israelites said they're too big. The armies are too big. They're too strong for us. There's too many of them. Joshua and Caleb, if you remember that story, Joshua and Caleb were uh, sent out by Moses representing their tribes of the... um, I believe it was 12 people, that the 12 spies that went in the first time. They were the only two that came back and said, Look, guys, this is the land God has promised us. The battle's already won. It's ours for the taking. We just have to go and possess it. Everyone else said, No, we can't. There's too many of them. They're too big. But they're, it's too much for us. But that's not what Joshua and Caleb said. God has given us this land. Let's go possess it. It's ours for the taking. 
But see, Israel, the Israelites were not ready to receive the blessing that the Lord had for them. It was about what can I do versus what has the Lord done? What can I do versus what has the Lord done? In the Mosaic Covenant, God gave Abraham, or excuse me, in the Mosaic Covenant, God gave Moses the law. It was never, never about the Israelites keeping the law. But you know what it was about? It was about a blood atonement that would cover the sin under the law. The blood atonement doesn't just start with Christ at Calvary. The blood atonement doesn't just start in, at the Passover. The blood atonement doesn't just start with the nation of Israel in the wilderness. See, no, blood atonement was there from the beginning. We see it clear back to Adam and Eve. We see the blood atonement where God had to shed blood to make coats of skin to cover Adam and Eve. We see blood atonement with Cain and Abel, where one of them brought a sacrifice of blood to God, and one brought fruits of the land, and one was better than the other. See, back with Adam and Eve, the the uh, fig leaves didn't cover them, did it? No, it was the blood atonement. We see the blood atonement at the Passover, what God used to bring the nation of Israel out from the land. He said, slay a lamb Paints its blood on your doorposts, and if I see that blood, if I see that marking on your household, my death angel will pass over. I will pass over your house. Those that didn't have the blood atonement, what happened? Death angel went in and killed the firstborn all throughout the land of Egypt. See, it's about the blood atonement, not about keeping a law. And that even brings us to the point of Calvary. At Calvary, at that point where the temple veil, and and I'm going back to the covenant side of things here, but at that point where the temple veil was torn, God fulfilled the Old Testament covenant. And you know what, believer? He wrote a new covenant with the Christian today. And that covenant has already been fulfilled. Christ has already fulfilled salvation. I would not and do not say or believe there is nothing, I believe this, I would not say there is anything we can do that can get us to heaven. It's Christ alone. We sang about it earlier. It's Christ alone that is our salvation. I would not, do not say or believe there is anything in our own power that can save us. It is a work of Christ in our lives that save us. And, you know, I want to take a moment here, and I want to look at a few things. And, oh, this goes right along with with what we celebrated in baptism here. First, we have to understand the penalty of sin is death, and that our sin separates us from God. Let's look at Romans 3.23 real quick. And these are going to be familiar verses for many of us, I know, but, but it's important that we know it, and that we understand it. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Micah Sidebottom has sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
we all have sinned and come short. Romans 6.23 states, and brother, I remember one of the uh, first messages you preached at, a, a, I believe it was a Easter service, community service. You talked about the penalty of sin, the cost of sin. And Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My sin causes me eternal separation from God. It's death. But praise the Lord, God has a way. Salvation is there, free for the taking. You know, Israel was at the banks of Jordan. The land was theirs, free for the taking. You know, salvation is there, free for the taking for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 states that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart the man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We teach our children this in our children's programs. ABCs, admit, believe, confess. So, Salvation is free for the taking if we just admit who he is, if we just believe in who he is, if we just confess who he is. My sin separates me from God. Praise the Lord. He's paved the way for eternal life through Christ Jesus. Remember, though, salvation is not of ourselves. It's not a prayer I pray that saves me. It is a work of God in my life. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 tells us that, uh, 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift from God. Salvation is of the Lord. Christ has fulfilled this plan in us. He has paid our redemption in full. And, you know, I know that's a lot for an introduction, but I believe that's important for us to understand where Joshua was at this time in Joshua 1. Now we can move on and look at Joshua uh, 1, verses 1 through 2. Joshua 1, verses 1 through 2 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead now. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. See, in Joshua 1 and 2, there's a change in leadership going on. Uh, Moses has died. Note that he died in the wilderness, as God had said. God had previously told Moses that he wasn't going to pass over with the Israelites into Israel. He died in the wilderness. He did not get to lead Israel into the promised land. And even though he did not get to go with Israel into the promised land, guess what? He did get to see the promised land and even got to set foot in it. We see this in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 3. Matthew 17, 
1 through 3. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Verse 3 now. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Moses got to set foot on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses went to the promised land. So I say that so we can understand that Moses represented the law for the Egyptians, and, or for the Israelites, excuse me. And, and uh, now this assessor to Moses, Joshua, he represents Christ. He is a type of Christ, is what I found in, in my Bible. Not to say that Joshua is Christ, but he can be pictured as Christ. Just like we talk about David as a type of Christ, a picture of Christ. Uh, there's a lot here that I have in verses. I don't think I'm going to mention all these verses or uh, turn to them, but I'll mention them. You can write them down if you want. Uh, Joshua, assessor to Moses, and is now appointed leader. Uh, Joshua is first mentioned in Exodus 17.9, where Moses appointed him to take charge of all the armies of Israel. Uh, Joshua was with Moses after giving of the law in Exodus 32.17. He was also in the tabernacle when God revealed himself in Exodus 33.11. God, well, Moses uh, was chosen to represent his tribes when spies were sent into the land in Numbers 13.1-2 and even in verse 8. And then he and Caleb were the only two men who left Egypt that were allowed to enter the promised land in Numbers 14, uh, verse 30. And then when Moses prayed for a successor, he was told to appoint Joshua in Numbers 27, 15 through 23. So we see that there's a history with Joshua and Moses, a relationship that they've built down through the years. Moses was asking God for an assessor, and he brought Joshua in. So there's a a clear picture of a a change in leadership. Moses has died. Who's going to lead the nation of Israel? It was appointed that Joshua would lead the nation of Israel. As I mentioned before, Joshua is a type of Christ, if you will. Moses, by the law, was not able to lead the Israelites into the land, Um, into the promised land, but now Joshua is going to lead them in by his faith. Not that Moses didn't have faith, but Moses broke the law and he was representing the law, and Moses could not enter the promised land. Because of Joshua's faithfulness, his willingness to go in and take the land at that point, him and Caleb both, they were allowed to go in to the promised land. Christ is our redeemer. And in a sense, Joshua is redeeming the Israelites into the promised land. He was a servant to Moses and to the Israelites. He led by serving. Christ our Lord, our King, led by being a humble servant. Christ our Lord, our King, led as a humble servant, even to the cross. 
in Joshua 1, verses 3 through 5, we see that there is a future possession of the promised land, promised here. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The word I hear repeated a lot, and the idea I see repeated a lot here, is shall. The word shall. This speaks to the near future possession of the promised land. The Israelites owned the land, as I mentioned previously, but they don't possess the promised land yet. God also tells Joshua, I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Jesus Christ tells us, the believer, the same thing. He won't fail us. No. He will not forsake us. No. In Joshua 1, verses 6 through 7, we look at a practical implication, if you will, of how Joshua is going to do this? How is he going to fulfill this future promise, this, this, what's being said? God tells him, be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance, the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. God tells Joshua not once, but twice, twice right here, and we'll see a third time here in the, uh, later on in the, this passage. But three times he says, be strong, be courageous. The Israelites were to inherit this promised land. This is also a picture of our inheritance we have as Christians. As Christians, we are called heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Before I get there, one thing I want to point out is God is telling him to be strong, be courageous. Why? Because Joshua can lean on the promise that God tells him, I will not forsake you, I will not uh, leave you. Not only that, it says, uh, if you're strong and of good courage, well, even even so, it it says there in those verses that, uh, verse 7, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Be strong, be of good courage, and you're going to prosper. You're going to go forward. You're going to move on. So this is also a picture of the inheritance we have as Christ. As Christians, we are called heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Romans eight seventeen. Romans eight seventeen tells us, and if if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him 
that we may be also glorified together. What are we as Christians going to inherit? We're going to inherit eternal life. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to be joint heirs with Christ as a believer. What were the Israelites going to inherit? They were going to inherit the promised land. They had a promise, just like we as Christians today have a promise. Give me a second, I lost my place. Okay. What are we to inherit? We're to inherit everlasting life and a restored relationship with God the Father in his kingdom. The thing is, this task Joshua has been given, it wasn't going to be an easy task. But God is telling him, rely on me, be courageous in me. God is telling him, be strong. I'll be your strength, be strong in me. It, uh, and you know what? If we rely on God, if our strength comes from the Lord, we're not going to waver. It says, I will take care of it all. See you through it. You just have to be strong and of good courage. Be strong in me. Be courageous in me. I've already taken care of it. Be strong. Be courageous. Be courageous to what? Be strong to do what? To follow God. To follow Christ. We need to stand strong on this promise. We need to be courageous in our own faith. How can we be strong? How can we be uh, courageous? By standing steadfast in our faith and courageously telling others about the good news of the gospel. Moving on in our text here, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How is one way for Joshua to be courageous and strong? To meditate on the law. This helps him to do that, doesn't it? To meditate on the law. Don't forget it. You know what? 2 Timothy 2.15 says that, uh, hold on. I didn't mark that one in my Bible, I'm sorry. It says to uh, study to show thyself a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. And you know what? That's how we can be strong in our faith. That's how we can be courageous. Study the word. Study so we know what's true. Study so we can share with others, so we can teach others. Observe it. Do according to it. In doing this, God tells Joshua, you're going to be prosperous and and have good success. Likewise, if we study the word, we will be approved. What? A workman that needs not to be ashamed. I would also like to point out, it is Christ doing the work. It's Christ keeping us to that. It's Christ doing the work in us. Just like it was God that was making Joshua prosperous and successful, it was Christ in us. It's Christ doing the work in us. Joshua 1.9 
says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Finally, in this transition of leadership, we see God telling Joshua, Don't be afraid or dismayed or broken down or overwhelmed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. God is Joshua's comfort, just like he is our comfort. We don't have to worry or be afraid. Just like Joshua didn't have to worry or be afraid because God was with him, we as Christians don't have to be worried or afraid. God, uh, We see, just like God was with Joshua, God sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. John 14, 26. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said. God sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Just like God was with them, with the Israelites, with Joshua, God sent his Spirit to be with us. And not only did God send the Holy Ghost to be with us, but we see in 1 Corinthians six nineteen that he dwells in us. First Corinthians six nineteen. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You have of God, and you are not your own. The Holy Spirit dwells inside our lives. If we're saved, if we're believers, if we're Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Then, moving on in our main text. Joshua 1 through 10, uh, 10 through 11, Joshua takes charge of the Israelites and now is commanding them what they need to do to go into the land. And as we read through that, uh, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. So Joshua's now taking charge. He's now sending out commandments. What does he first tell them to do? He first tells or sends the tells the officers, commands the officers to go command the Israelites. He's telling them to go tell them to prepare. Now, what were they going to prepare? They were going to prepare basic needs. Food is a basic need. That word victuals means food. We've seen from the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, how did God feed them? By sending manna down. Well, they were going into the promised land. God promised the land to be fruitful. God promised that, that their needs would be met in the promised land. Well, It's not just going to happen overnight when they cross over into the Jordan. They had to prepare food and take with them. So they enter the promised land. They have a way to eat. And and he's telling them, be prepared. Prepare your basic needs. We're going to go in. 
in three days, we're going to possess the promised land. And, you know, I find that he told them, prepare for three days. Interesting. Where else have we heard three days before in the Bible? Christ said, first off, Christ said in John 2, 19 through 21, Christ said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. Now, I believe that he could have raised the physical temple up. However, that's not the temple he was talking about here. He was talking about his physical body. We've seen, just seen that um, in, where was it? First Corinthians, I think it was. Yeah, we just seen that our bodies are the temple of God. He was talking about his body being the temple. He said, destroy my body, and in three days, I will raise it up. And you know what? Even to the cross, we see Christ rose from the grave on the third day, don't we? That was fulfilled. Now, I find it interesting that in the Old Testament here, as Joshua's preparing, God's telling them, prepare for three days. In those three days, you know what Christ did for us? He defeated sin. He defeated death, and on the third day, he rose again. Then, looking at Joshua 1, 12 through 15, Joshua continues to give instruction. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying. And I want to stop right there in verse 12, just so you guys can understand what's going on here. Those two and a half tribes did not want to wander in the wilderness anymore. They were done. They did not want to go into the promised land. They found land on this side of the Jordan that looked appealing to them. And they asked Moses, let this be our land. And God granted that wish. God granted them that land on this side of Jordan. Kind of sets stage for what's about to take place here in these next verses. Uh, Verse 13, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren, armed all the mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of Jordan toward the sun rising. So he commands the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Leave your wives, leave your little ones, leave your cattle, leave your houses, leave everything you have on this side of Jordan. And he's talking to the men of the tribes. And he says, pass before us, armed to help us. What are they going to help us with? Well, I imagine they'll help them in their battles. I imagine they'll help them in the crossing of the Jordan. I mean, that's not going to be any feat in in of itself. 
you know, you got families, you got possessions, you got the tabernacle, you got this, you got that, you got all this stuff that they're going to be crossing the Jordan with. So they were going to help them cross. It says, go before them, prepare the way, make, make it ready for us, make it easy for us to cross. And you know what? After the nation as a whole finds rest in the promised land, he says, then return back to your land. I, feel, I almost feel like he's saying, look, you guys have already found your rest on this side of Jordan, but the rest of the nation's not at rest yet. Help us till we find our rest, and then as a nation, as a whole, we can find rest together. You can return back to your place and find rest in your land. You know, they left Egypt as a nation. They rest as a nation. It is a team effort, not a, not a I can do this or what can I do. It's a team. It's not this is as far as I go. I have my land over here. No, it's still a team effort. They're a nation. They're going together. And uh, just like I said before, it's a team effort. It's not what I can do, but what Christ can do. The church as a whole, the ministry of a church, it's not what can Pastor Wood do, what can Pastor Danny do, what can, uh, what, what can our Sunday school teachers do. No, it's ministry as a whole. It's a team effort. We go as a team. We minister together as a team. We fellowship as a team. We worship as a team, as a body. God relates the church as the body of Christ. It's a team effort. It's a joint effort. Joshua 1, 16 through 18, we'll finish our passage up. It says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto the day. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be, that doth rebel against thy commandments and will not hearken unto thy words. In all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. I find here the response to Joshua's command. And again, there's the third, be strong and of a good courage at the very end. The people he's commanding is saying, Joshua, be strong, be of good courage, we're with you. The two and a half nations that took their land on this side of Jordan responded to Joshua with an attitude of obedience. You know, when God's working in our hearts, when God's working in our lives, what is our answer to God? Do we answer in obedience, or do we neglect God's calling? In their final part, of their answer is, if anybody disobeys, let him be put to death. My question for us as believers today, if we neglect the calling of God, what blessings are we missing out? If we neglect the calling of God in our lives, even to salvation, what are we going to miss out on? How are we disobeying? As we consider the Lord's calling in our life, let us consider how we might need to respond.
For some, it may be giving their life to the Lord for the first time. For some, it might be, I've given my life to the Lord, but I have turned my back toward God. You know what? For some, it may simply be yielding to the Lord's calling in a certain area of your life. But one thing I know, one day it is going to be too late to yield to that calling in your life. And I would encourage us all to consider the words spoken today and truly search your heart and ask God, how does this message apply to my life? And how do I need to act in response to God's word? Don't wait till it's too late. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to you now and we're thankful for you being our all in all. You all. Without you, God, we are nothing. It's only what you have done in our lives. God, we're thankful and we praise you for being the Lord of our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen.